Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Let's go ahead and open up in prayer. Let's bow our hearts as we continue our worship. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for who you are and what you are to me and to my family and my family in Christ. Father, I thank you for all the ministries that are going on. We pray that you bless them. We pray that your Holy Spirit will direct the leaders. We pray that people will be encouraged, that there'll be healing, that questions will be answered. We pray for you to draw people to salvation. Lord, we just pray for a blessed night on this campus and and blessings upon those who are viewing via live stream. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching and the fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. And so we are in Mark chapter 3, and the lesson will come from verses 7 through 19. And there is a title, of course. The title of the message is Your Assignment. Your assignment. So now, if you're on a sports team, or if you are an employee, some type of business or workplace, it's always good to know your assignment. In other words, it's good to know what your role is. And if you're an athlete, you may have a playbook. And so as you study your playbook, you want to know exactly what you're doing. What is your role in that particular play or set of plays? Or if you're an employee, you're working on a project. You want to know, again, what what is my role? And that's something that's very important to know what your assignment is, what your role is. Sports team, employee, boss, whatever the case is. Because if you don't know what your assignment is, if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, then something is going to be lacking. And tonight in our study, we're going to study or learn some principles that's going to help us to be successful in our spiritual assignments. And so with that in mind, we want to open up, if you haven't already, to Mark chapter 3. And what we're going to do is begin at verse number 7. And in verse 7, it says, but Jesus withdrew with his disciples. He withdrew with his followers or his pupils, or you could say students, to the sea, that is the Sea of Galilee. And there was a great multitude or crowd from Galilee that followed him and from Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea. And beyond the Jordan and those from Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude. When they heard how many things he was doing, they came to him. And so Jesus withdrew with his disciples when he found out about the plot to kill him, the the plot that the Pharisees were in on. And, And we 
Find out about that in Matthew 12, verse 15. So when he knew about that plot, he and his disciples, they took off. And so people from the south and the northwest, that's Tyre and Sidon, from the northwest where they were at, people from the east, that's what it means when it says beyond the Jordan, they, they flocked to him. When they heard all the things that Jesus was doing, they came to him. And it reminds me that when the word gets around about what God has done and what God is doing, it really should make people want to come to him. When they find out all of the great things God has done, people should be curious about that and and want to come to him just like they came to Jesus at the time of this lesson. And when people get tired of their situations, there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. When they get tired of their problems, they're going to come to him. These people, they were in their situations. They were in their tough spot. And they heard that something was going on, that this man, the God man, Jesus, fully God, fully man, he was doing something special. And so they recognized that, hey, this is my chance to get some help, a resolution to my problem. And so when people get tired, when they really get tired, they're going to come. They're going to seek out Jesus. They're going to have the attitude that says within their hearts or minds, whatever Jesus is doing, whatever God is doing, I want in. If he is healing people, I want in on that. If he's doing some fresh new work, I want in on that. Whatever he is doing in that local church, the Holy Spirit is moving in the mighty way. I want to be a part of that. And then regarding salvation. People need to hear. Our key word is here, which is near the end of verse 8. People need to hear regarding salvation what he has done in order to have an opportunity to come to Jesus in faith. Repenting, turning from their sins, turning towards God, being sorry for their sins. And of course, repentance will result in, in works that match And so for people to have an opportunity, they need to hear, as it says in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17. And the scriptures say, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him? And our key word is coming up of whom they have not heard. And how shall they hear without a preacher, without someone who's going to proclaim the gospel, the good news about Jesus? about God stepping out of eternity, the Son of God, taking upon a human body, experiencing the full human experience, experiences, but never sinning, even be attempted, but never sinning, being hungry. And there was a time where he didn't have a place to lay his head. And so he experienced with the things that people experience. He experienced backstabbing from one of his close associates. He experienced his family ridiculing him because his, his, his siblings didn't believe in him being the Messiah at first. He experienced those things, the, the full human experience. And so we, 
the preachers declare, proclaim the gospel, that good news about him. Stepping out of eternity, taking upon a human body, taking our penalty on the cross. And, and guess what? He is alive because he was resurrected and he's at the right hand of the father. And it says he's making intercession for us. Here's our high priest for eternity. And so we declare, we proclaim that news as, as preachers. And, and how shall they preach unless they're sent as it is written? And this is from Isaiah 52, 7 and also Nahum 1, 15. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings, good news of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? That's Isaiah 53 verse 1. So then faith, here's our key word, comes by hearing and, and hearing by the word of God. They need an opportunity to hear the word of God, the, the good news, an opportunity to receive or reject. And if they reject, that's on them. They say no to Jesus. They are choosing their, their eternal home for themselves. And so we know some people hear physically, but... They don't listen. So is there anybody who heard the gospel presented clearly multiple times and, and yet and still are rejecting the good news? That somebody took the penalty that we all deserved and we don't have to, we don't have to go through eternal separation from God in hell. He took the punishment for us. So Maybe somebody heard that multiple times. They heard it physically. They heard it with their physical ears, but didn't really listen to the message. The only message that can save, that's why it is called the gospel of peace. If a person receives that gospel message, that good news about what Jesus did, then they will have peace with God. Because at this point, we are at enmity with God, not because of him, but because of us, because of our sins. But we have an opportunity to have peace with him. So this is the gospel of peace. And if we have the peace of God, you open up the door in your life to have the peace of God. See, there's no peace of God in your life without peace with him first. But yet and still, some people don't listen here audibly, but not taking it in. But guess what? Just like these people here in our lesson in Matthew 3, verse 8, when they get tired of their guilt, when they get tired of their way of life that's not working out for them, then guess what? They're going to come. They're going to seek out Jesus, this, this awesome Savior that we have. In verse 9, it says, So he, that's Jesus, told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the crowd, the large crowd, the multitude, lest they, this crowd, should crush him. And I just wonder tonight, what boat, what precautions, what safeguard have we set up for ourselves in the work of the ministry? You see, Jesus understood that if precautions were not made as he was ministering to this large group of people that he could possibly get crushed physically. And so he, he asked his disciples, he's told his disciples to 
get, get a small boat and let out a little bit so that he could be in that boat and he'll have some space to do what he does. And so he took some precautions to make sure he didn't get crushed as he ministered to people. So what precautions, what safeguards have we set up in the work of the ministry that God has given to us individually and as a group? Whether the Big C Church or the local churches that we have in our community, in our cities, in our states, in our country. What precautions have we set up so we don't get crushed? In our service to the Lord, have we set up some type of plan of time management? Because if not, guess what? The ministry will crush us. Or do we have a time of daily devotion? Is that our boat? That time of being in prayer and and studying the word of God, is that the boat? Is that the boat of precaution, that safeguard that we have set up to to help us to, to not get crushed in the work of the ministry? Because prayerlessness. If if there's not prayer in our lives on a daily basis, I guarantee we will get crushed in doing the work of the ministry and our service to the Lord. Are we avoiding operating in our own strength? Because if not, if we don't avoid operating in our own strength, then guess what? We're going to get crushed in the work of the ministry or or how about this? And and as I speak these things, and this is how I know it's from the Lord giving it to me, is because I'm stepping on my own toes. So this is for all of us. And so do we know when to say no? Do we K-N-O-W know when to say N-O? But some of us feel like we have to be Superman. We have to be everywhere at the same time. And only God is omnipresent. And so do we set up that boat or that safeguard to know when to say no or not yet, at least? How about this one? How about if you're a woman? Are you keeping a safe difference, the distance, I should say, from the opposite sex? If you're a male... Are you doing the same thing? In other words, men should be discipling men and women should be discipling women. Are you keeping a a safe distance? Is that the boat you set up as a safeguard so you don't get crushed, so to speak, in the ministry? Or or how about having a proper view of ourselves? Is, Is that the boat of precaution or safeguard that we set up? Because if we don't have a proper view of ourselves, we're going to think too highly of ourselves. And some of us think too lowly of ourselves. We don't want to think too highly or too lowly. We want to think the way God thinks and uh, about us. And we want to view ourselves the way God views us. So do we have a proper view of ourselves? Because if so, that is a boat of safeguard for us that will prevent us from getting crushed in the work of the ministry or or, or how about avoiding those expectations that we set for ourselves that God did not set for us? And so some of us have higher expectations for ourselves that God did not necessarily place upon us. And if we set expectations that's just way outside of the realm of God's plan and goal for our lives, then guess what? There's that possibility there that we will get crushed in the work of the ministry. 
And so we can learn something from Jesus. We can learn something from the word of God. And so, yes, we are reading facts, but, but from these facts that we're reading, we're asking for application. We're asking for things that, that God will reveal to us so that we can apply them individually as a, as a couple, as a local church, and as a worldwide church, the big C, all believers. Verses 10 through 12 says, for he healed many so that as many as had afflictions, as many as had diseases, they they pressed about him to touch him. In verse 11, it says, in the unclean spirits, these are demons. Whenever they saw Jesus, they fell down before him and cried out saying, you are the son of God. And I explain many times what that means. It just means that he has the same nature as God. Whatever makes God the Father God, that's what Jesus has. So it's really saying that he is God. That's what it's saying. These demons, they understood that, but he sternly, he strictly warned them that they should not make him known. And he went up on the mountain. In verse 13, Luke six twelve says, or ask these additional details. It says, he went up on the mountain to pray. And he continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, we find out in, in Luke six thirteen, he called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then from that large group of disciples or followers, It says that he appointed 12. And those 12, Luke 6.13 tells us, are those who he named apostles. That they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And Mark 3.15 says, and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. And so we find out in, in, in Luke 6, chapter 6, verse 12, that, that Jesus prayed all night before choosing the 12 that he would make apostles. And the word apostle means sent one or one sent forth with orders. They're his special messengers that he set apart that he called to himself from a larger group of pupils or students, followers. But before he did that again, I want to focus your attention on the fact that he prayed all night before choosing. And so the question is, do we pray before we make decisions? Do we pray before we select our friends and associates? Do we Pray before we select a mate that we may potentially want to, to marry. Do we pray before we, we select someone we may want to come alongside and disciple? To, to teach them the word of God. Do we pray in the work of the ministry? You see, Jesus sets those examples for us and he spent all night in prayer. Again, you'll find that in the account in Luke, in that gospel account, chapter 6, if you're writing that down. 
And in verses 16 through 19, we see the names of those 12 apostles. It says, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder. And if you keep reading the gospel accounts, you'll see why that nickname, that name was appropriate for James and John, the sons of Zebedee, sons of thunder. And in verse 18, you have Andrew, that's Peter's brother, Philip, Bartholomew. Bartholomew is also known as Nathaniel. You have Matthew. He's also known as Levi. Then you have Thomas. John eleven sixteen calls him the twin. And so it appears that Thomas was a twin. Then you have James, the son of Alphaeus. You have Thaddeus. Matthew 10, 3 says his name is also Lebaeus. And in Luke 6, 16, it refers to Thaddeus as Judas, the son of James. Then you have Simon the Canaanite, also known as Simon the Zealot. Then, of course, we all know Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him, speaking of Jesus. And they went into a house. And so in that list, we see people from various backgrounds. We see people from different places, people who have different personalities. We see people who had or came from different professions. For example, some of them were fishermen like Peter and Andrew, James and John. These two sets of brothers were fishermen. And then there was one who was a tax collector, and we know him as Matthew or Levi. So they came from different places, different personalities, different professions. And there was one of them who was a zealot. And again, that was Simon. But in Mark 3.18, we see that this man who I called Simon the zealot was also called Simon the Canaanite. And the word Canaanite has nothing to do with his national or racial origin, according to one Bible scholar. In fact, Canaanite, and you can look this up on your own, it means zealous. This guy had a lot of zeal, a lot of passion, and and he belonged to this Jewish group that were called the zealots. And these zealots, of course, were revolutionary people. Remember, they were ruled by the Romans the Roman Empire. And so the, this group of zealots, they, they, they did not like the Roman rule, the Roman way. They lived in rural areas. They didn't live in cities. They were loyal, a lot of zeal for the Jewish traditions. And so they were against the Greek language being used in Israel. They were against paying taxes to the Roman Empire. So can you imagine what kind of conversations would Simon the Zealot have with Matthew, the former tax collector? But yet and still, he called these people from these different backgrounds to be a part of the 12, these apostles. And also these zealots, just getting back to that, they 
their mindset was that they only had allegiance to God and him alone. And they would they wanted a chance to jump at the chance to overthrow the Roman Empire, the Roman rule over them. They wanted a chance to do that, even if they had to use force. And so this this Simon the Zealot, he was a I believe was a tough guy. This was a this was a bad man. And bad meaning tough in this situation, this context. And so that's who Simon the Canaanite or Simon the Zealot was. And so this is an, uh, uh, an awesome, uh, a very different group of people that Jesus called to himself or out of this larger group of followers. But guess what? We see the same type of mixture of personalities and backgrounds within the true church within the body of Christ, also known as the household of faith or the family of God. All these various backgrounds here, just even within this building, even on this campus, because we've got other things going on on this campus. And so we see the same mixture. And then even as the true church meets or gathers, in a house, because remember at the at the end of, uh, of verse 19, it says that they went into a house. And right now we are gathered. If you want to keep up with the symbolism or metaphor right now, we are gathered within a house and all over the country on Sunday mornings. For example, you have true believers who are gathering in a house. People are part of the true church through faith in Christ. But then you have people who are not believers and they hang around the visible church and they come within the house or the church building, the building where the church meets. And you have people like Judas Iscariot, not really a believer, gathering with the visible church and the true church. And Jesus understood what he was doing. Jesus understood who Judas Iscariot was. There's even a scripture where Jesus said, I'll call 12 of you when one of you is a devil. There's a scripture where, where Jesus refers to him as the son of perdition. So Jesus understood who Judas Iscariot was. And guess what? God, within his plan to redeem man, used Judas's free will to accomplish his purposes. So God did not make, and some people think this, that's why I have to talk slowly when I say this, some people think that God made Judas do what he did. He did not. He does not override our free will. He holds every person responsible for his or her actions. But he can use people's free will, good or bad, to accomplish his purposes, and that's what he did with Judas. And so Judas, he sealed his own fate. Jesus knew who he was, knew what he would do, but yet and still called him. And of course, it fulfilled Old Testament scripture. And so even as the true church meets within a house, so to speak, within a building, so to speak. Yes, there are false converts. There are unbelievers who gather. That's why many pastors think, believe it's appropriate. And I believe it's appropriate to 
to give an altar call at the end to offer salvation, to extend the salvation. Just in case there's somebody here who was invited and they never put his or her trust or faith in Jesus Christ. The Jesus as revealed in our scriptures. And so we end the the reading of the lesson with Jesus appointing these 12 men as his apostles. We end with, with this portion of scripture about these men who will be sent out as his messengers. And notice in, in verse 14, it mentions the word appoint. He appointed 12. And to appoint means to name or assign to a position, an office, or the like. It also means to assign a job or role to someone or to choose someone to have a particular role. And so the question for all of us tonight and those of you who are watching via live stream or if you're watching the recording at this point or at some point, the question is, what are you appointed to? What have you been appointed to? Or a simple way to put it to keep in line with the title of the study tonight is, what is your assignment? Have you thought about it? Have you prayed about it? What have you been appointed to? What is your assignment? And as a believer, if you're a believer tonight, you do have an assignment. Scriptures tell us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, be it many, are one body, so also is Christ. And skipping to verse 27. Now you, true believers, put their faith in Christ, are the body of Christ and your members individually. So it's not a cookie cutter type of thing within the church. Or within the body of Christ. We're not, we're not clones. Where we all dress the same. Where we all know the same voca- vocabulary or have the same type of education. We already addressed that earlier. But the body, like a literal body, has many body parts. Fingers and arms and, and toes. Ears and so forth. It's the same way within the body of Christ. Within the church and every believer has an assignment. And if you read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in its totality, you'll see that it's also talking about spiritual gifts. And also between verses 12 and 27 in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the various body parts. They are placed where God wants them to be placed. So every member in the body of Christ in the church, we are placed where God wants us to be placed. We have the spiritual gift or gifts that he wants us to have in the body of Christ. We have certain functions individually in the body of Christ according to the way God sees fit, according to his will. And God has decided this. He determined this from eternity. It's not nothing new about his plans for you, about your spot in the body of Christ. This isn't something new. He knew this from eternity. He planned this from eternity. What is the right spot for you? What is your assignment? God determined that. He planned that for us. 
See, from eternity, he, he, he determined, he planned for us to, to be placed in a certain area, in a certain platform. To minister to a certain group of people and, and only you, according to God's plan, is supposed to be on, on that platform or in that area on the stage, so to speak. That is your area on the stage if you want to think of a stage play. That is your area. You're supposed to be in that spot and not move. And that is your spot and only for you. That is your role and only your role. And it is planned from eternity. It is for you to minister to that certain group of people. And he determined that from eternity for every single believer. Now the question comes is, comes up, how can we find success? How can we have success in, in our assignment? And fulfilling our role. See, success in fulfilling our assignment, our assigned roles, depends on the following. And, and one point is that one. is spending time with Jesus. Because as you see in verse 14, it says that he appointed 12. He appointed 12 and named them apostles. And, and success in fill, fulfilling their assigned role, their assignment, success in fulfilling our assignment depends on, number one, spending time with Jesus. In other words, this is our training. Just like the apostles went through training. Even if you do not know your assignment at this time, you should be spending time with Jesus. In his words, spending time in prayer. Because Jesus trained these men. He discipled. He taught these men who would continue his ministry. When he would be resurrected and go back to heaven, the right hand of the Father. They would continue his ministry on earth. They would lay and be the foundation of the church. They would teach foundational truths for the church. That we're still reading and studying and teaching today. And so in order for these 12 men to be all that he wants them to be. To do all that he called them to do. To be successful in their assignment. They needed to, to spend time with him. They needed to be with him. They needed to see how he taught. What he taught. How he carried himself. They needed to learn his message to learn his ways. You know, I remember in school and the different levels of school that I've been through, it seemed like every year I had a different set of friends that I would hang out with a lot. And it seemed like every year or depending on these different group of friends, whether it was elementary school, junior high, high school, it, it seems like something from their personalities would rub off on me. Maybe a certain lingo, lingo or language that I would use or, or maybe it was a certain hobby that I would be interested in depending on that group that I was hanging out with during that school year or even a certain way that I dressed, my taste in clothes. Stuff I talked about would depend on the group that I hung out with that particular school year. And so... The lesson for us is that we need to watch out and pay attention to the company that we keep. 
1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits or good character or morals. And if that's true in a negative way, then, then imagine how hanging out with Jesus will affect us. It's going to affect us in a positive way. See, just like my group of friends affected me in a negative way, and I'm sure I affected people in a negative way when I was living in sins, then guess what? When we hang around Jesus, that's going to affect us in a positive way. And so what one key, one principle to being successful in the assignment that he has given to us is to make sure that we're hanging out with him. We want Jesus, more Jesus, to rub off on us. And no matter what our assignment is, our goal should be to, to be more like Jesus. Or well, maybe you are a nanny. Maybe you run a daycare. Maybe you're a CEO. Maybe you're a police officer or a doctor or nurse. Maybe you are in the military. Your goal, if you're a believer, is, should be to hang out with Jesus, to be more like Jesus. Because we should want to be more like Jesus in the platforms that he has given to us. We want to treat people the way Jesus treated people. We want to love on people the way Jesus loved on people. We want to teach truth the way Jesus taught truth. We want to pray for people and pray with people the way Jesus did. We want to be faithful to God, our Father, the way Jesus was when he was on earth. Maybe your platform, your ministry, your assignment is to minister to foster children. Maybe it's to serve in adult ministry, children's ministry. The, the question is, are you hanging out with Jesus? Is he rubbing off on you so you're minister his way? And the second, the second thing that, that we need to do to be successful in our assignment is to wait to be sent to our assignment. Don't get ahead of God. He will assign you to your area on the stage, so to speak. And some of you are already there on your area on the stage. You're already there, but you haven't discovered it. Instead, some of you are complaining and wondering, why am I here? I'm tired of this place. Not even knowing that that is your area on the stage. That is your platform. That is the area to which God has sent you. And so some of you, you're already there. You just need to discover it. You just need to see it from God's perspective. That, oh, no, this is not a curse. This is a blessing. God put me here to minister to this group of people. And if you're, if, again, if you don't know, then wait on God to send you to your assignment. Cannot be successful in your assignment if you're getting ahead of God. Or if you're not discovering that he has you where he wants you. That is your area on the stage. And, and of course, the third point, our final point is to operate in the power of God. See, the scriptures tell us in, in verse 15 that the apostles were to operate in the power of God to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. And that will validate the message that they preached. That will validate the ministry that God, that Jesus had assigned them to. And guess what? When Jesus sends us to our assignment, we are also going to 
going to be filled with the Spirit. We're also going to have the power of the Spirit in order to help us to accomplish what He wants us to accomplish. Remember what the Scripture said. Remember what John the Baptist says. I'm the one who baptizes people with water, but there is one who is coming after me who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And that's Jesus. And so when we are sent out, We have the Holy Spirit. We can ask for the baptism with the Holy Spirit if you don't have that tonight. You can be a believer, but not have that experience with the Holy Spirit. And we can pray with you if if that's the case. If you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, it says Jesus is the baptizer. You can also reference that in Acts chapter 1 on your own time, but... But that's the other key. We need to operate in the power of the spirit if we're going to find success in fulfilling our assignment, whatever our assignment may be as the worship team comes to the stage. So maybe there's somebody in here or maybe there's some people watching right now. You you know your assignment. You've discovered your area, your spot on the stage. But maybe you're intimidated. Maybe you're, you're fearful. Maybe you think it's beneath you, whatever area God has given to you on that stage. Whatever your assignment is, maybe you're looking at yourself that, that look, I'm, I'm, I'm not worthy. Why did he choose me in that assignment? Why did he assign me there? So maybe you're doubtful tonight that, That he chose the right person. So maybe there's somebody who is in that spot right now. But I just want to encourage you to not be intimidated. To not be fearful. To not view yourself in the way that God doesn't view you. To get past your your emotions. And if you don't take anything else. Remember this line. that, That if... That if God assigned you to a role, and if God has sent you to a certain area on the stage, or if God has given to you a certain platform, then despite your feelings, despite your thoughts about yourself, God is the one who will equip you and empower you. Whatever your assignment is. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for all that you allow us to do for you. And I pray, Lord, along with many other people, that that whatever we do will be done in the name of Jesus and will be done for your glory or honor and not for ourselves. That, Lord, as as we spend time with you, that people that we minister to will get the benefit of that. That we, Lord, will be channels of your blessings. That we'll be channels of of your grace that will be channels of your love 
forgive us, Lord, if we've complained about where you put us. Forgive us, Lord, if we've complained about what you assigned us to do. Help us, Lord, to appreciate the fact that we get to serve and partner with the God of the universe. And I'll just pray your blessings and just encouragement for my brothers and sisters tonight. That Lord, as they go into the areas that you have sent them, that they will know that your spirit indwells them and that your spirit is available to be upon them. In Jesus' name. And if there's anyone who has not received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord, and maybe you're listening an audio at this point or looking at a recording or viewing via live stream, or maybe there's somebody in this room tonight, and if I ask you a question, where are you going after this life is over? And if you can't answer that and be 100% sure, based on the promise of God, then I would encourage you to repent and put your faith in Christ. And if you are ready, I'll, I'll lead you in the prayer if you, if you mean it. Because if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, the scriptures say in Romans 10, you will be saved. So if you're ready to do that, I'll lead you in the prayer. God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I believe and thank you for the resurrection. And I admit, I confess that I am a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me. And I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and as my Lord. And I thank you for receiving me into your family. And may your Holy Spirit help me to live a life that pleases you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if there's anybody who prayed that prayer in this room or maybe you're watching or listening, then welcome to the family of God. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, feel free to go to calvaryqueencreek.org. Fill out the form. We'll be more than happy to send you a Bible and Bible reading plan and to answer any questions you may have. May God bless you. May God keep you. My brothers and sisters in Christ in this room, thank you so much for coming out. Thank you for your prayers. May God continue to protect you. We love you. God bless. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, 
how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.